day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, sir. Great to see you all today. You're a beautiful bunch, especially in this dim light. And uh, my name's Josh. I'm from Coolum. Just in case. How good uh, is Kristen Usher? She's a pretty cool cat. Um, you know, you most of the time, most of the time before you clap, most of the time I, I like to stir her, but uh, she's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we had our, our volunteers dinner on Friday night and Kristen heads that up every year and something that everyone probably doesn't know is she's actually a volunteer. And, uh, I, you know, I'm the, the paid half and she's the volunteer half of our household. And, uh, but she worked for three days straight and beyond preparing and cooking the meal along with a lot of help from the rest of the team. I just want to honour Kristen this morning. She's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. She creates beautiful children. She brings the brains. I bring the good looks. And uh, the rest we give glory to God for. It's good to have Steve and Matt back in the house from India. They've been over there missionarizing, um, missionarizing the, the great land of India. And uh, welcome home. Matt, Matt did a little uh, venture to Amsterdam, I believe, on the, on the, way, on the way back. And uh, just to pick up some plants for his garden at home. And uh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. I believe this morning that we have uh, Sailor Lux Madden Holmes in the house. Where is she? There she is. She's tucked into her mum. Let's welcome Sailor to church. It's an, amazing, it's an amazing place to be in a, in a, in a bunch of believers and as, as we get to know each other, you know, kids get born and people do things and go on adventures, people get married. I see Jay O'Shea, where's Jay, Jay and Nat O'Shea, they got married late last year. It's the first, first time I've been able to congratulate them, probably congratulate these guys, married, amazing. They're crazy skydivers, these two, so... Um, you know, don't hang around them too long or you'll be jumping out of a plane or doing something crazily adventurous. God is good, isn't he? He's always at work. Where's Regan? Regan? Why don't you stand up, Regan? This is the sharpest dressed man in the house. Come on. How good is he? <laughs> Did you hear that baritone voice when we were singing El Shaddai this morning? That deep, where's, where's John? John, why don't you look at this guy here? Stand up, John. This guy here, he's got the best voice in the church, second to mine, and uh, he, he's part of the Budrum Male Choir, and he can sing the house down. And uh, if, you're ever, you know, if you, ever hear, um, you ever hear some of the old classic hymns get sung in this song, you, know, you can hear him punching through from the car park as he's walking into church. But uh, I want to encourage you this morning to, to uh, get to know the people around you. Because they're great people, amazing people. And, you know, we, we do a lot of things in church and uh, we, have, we have events. We've got beautiful lights, aren't they? The waterfall lights from Rachel, amazing, on the stage. Um, but at the end of the day, 
what makes us great is that we love God and we love people. That's the simplicity of church. That's the simplicity. Everything else we do is captured in those two things. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said they're the two great commandments. And he says, if we love God and love people, everything else gets captured in those two things. What an amazing God. We, we, we say grace every, every, every night when we, before we eat dinner with Arabella and we hold hands. And, uh, and uh, every time Arabella sees Kristen and I holding hands, she comes up and she says, Lord? <laughs> As in, when you hold hands, obviously that's the sign that you've got to pray. And uh, amazing kid. Kids are simple, aren't they? And uh, I, think, I think that's why, that's why Jesus said, come to me like little children. Because we've got to keep it simple. You know, the greatest filter that you can have in your life is, you know, right in this moment, am I loving God and am I loving people? And if you can answer yes to those two questions, you're probably going in a good direction, are you? We had the, the uh, inauguration of President Trump yesterday. Anyone get up at 3 a.m. and watch that? Any other political nerds in the house? I see Val Smart. There's Rodney Pierce. Well done, gentlemen. Hey, we need to pray for our leaders. Hey, whether you, whether you love them or hate them, we need to pray for them. Whether you think they're going to do a good job or a terrible job, whether they, whatever you think, it, it's irrelevant. We need to honor them. We need to pray for them. Because... Man, they need the wisdom of God. And who knows? Who knows that which we read in the Word, that even, even the most terrible kings God can use to do great things. Hey, God can, can change the mind of anyone in a moment so that His will is done on earth. So let's pray for our leaders. Let's make a way. Let's, let's intercede on behalf of our leaders that they hear from God and that they're blessed and they make great decisions that people get set free. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. We all have varied and uh, multicolored pasts, don't we? And uh, some, some of the stories, you know, that, that, we, that we hear are, um, you know, as we get to know each other, pretty amazing. I was having, having some um, terrible dessert with uh, Tony and Deb Park the other week. A million calorie dessert, Deb calls it. And uh, they're telling us the story of their wedding ceremony, which was, you know, looking back, was an absolute riot of laughter. You know, there was, pro- there was protests and all sorts of crazy stuff. But obviously at the time it was not as exciting as telling the story later. But it, it, people's stories are amazing. They're full of life. Even the tough things as you look back and you go, wow, look what we've walked through. Look what we've survived. Look where we've come. And I love the nation of Israel. You know, I think they had, I, I was adding them up last night and I think there was 43 kings between Judah and Israel. And out of those 43 kings, the Bible says only 10 of them did good in the sight of God. I don't know what the other 33 were doing. It isn't it interesting that when the Bible talks about a king, uh, it says... He did good in the sight of God, or he did evil, or she did evil in the sight of God. It doesn't say he was a good king or an evil king. And I think one of the challenges that the Bible brings to each of us as we look at people in life, as we look at people, we can declare someone to be good or evil, or we can declare someone to be doing good or evil in the sight of God. The Bible is, is challenging us from every angle. And this morning we're going to look at uh, one of the kings by the name of Josiah who, was, who did good in the sight of God. And uh, he became king when he was eight years old. 
Amazing. Imagine becoming king when you're eight years old. Forty-three kings, ten did good, thirty-three uh, did not so good in the sight of the Lord. And, and Josiah, he came back off, um, I think it was, uh, was it Manasseh and Amon might have been the two kings before him off the top of my head, I think. And uh, they, they both did evil in the sight of the Lord. And his father, Amon, he did so much evil that his own people killed him. And that's why Josiah probably became king so young, because um, his, his father was killed by the people of Judah. And, Amon, and uh, Josiah ended up becoming king. Okay, Second Chronicles 34 verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Before we get to verse 3, I want to just throw out a challenge to you this morning. Never underestimate a person who is committed to see change, to re-engage, to go somewhere, to resolve yesterday. Never underestimate someone who's committed to God and to do great things. Because if we will simply commit to, the, to, to heading in a direction, no matter what we walk through, we will get through and God's called us. He says we are overcomers. When we, are, when we align our lives, when we commit ourselves to him, we become overcomers with him. Verse 3 says this, During the eighth year of his reign, so he's 16 years old, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. You know what it happens when it happens, doesn't it? You can be saved for a while and not really get the idea that we need to discover, you know, who God is. We go, we get to church and we see this, these one, wonderful bunch of people. And we go, I don't know what's going on, but I, I need to get on board. And then some way down the track, you go, hey, you know, I've kind of been in the family, but, you know, I, I'm brothers and sisters, but I need to have a really strong, direct relationship with the King of all kings, my heavenly Father, myself. And at some point you get this revelation that I need to dig deeper. And eight years after he became king, Josiah got that revelation that he, you know, he, he wanted to seek the God of his ancestor, David. The first thing he, wanted to, he, did, he did was he wanted to rediscover truth. And he had to look back a fair few kings to, to find a king that, was, that um, had a great relationship with God. See, the majority of the kings of his household before him didn't do good in the sight of God, so he had to look back a long way. Sometimes we need to go back a few generations to see things happen, that see, see people with great relationships. Sometimes we need to look, as we look at the church, as we look at our governments and our democracies, we need to go back a little ways because in, sometimes in the short term, we've been away from God for too long. Sometimes God's saying to us, look back further. We need to look back to our origins and restore accordingly. There was a day 20, 20 plus years ago that I was a panel beater. And uh, there's, a, there's a picture up there of, a, of, of a, um, some sort of car with a, a chassis that's somehow out of alignment. And uh, obviously they lent their wife, their wife the car and uh, that's how it came back. Did I honour Kristen this morning? Yeah. Now, we had a chassis straightener in our workshop. And uh, it, what we would call a chassis when it, was, when it was straight is we would call it true. 
a true chassis and then you would pass it on to the wheel aligner and the better you got the chassis straight, the less work the wheel aligner would have to do. And uh, sometimes, you know, over time we go through the bumps of life and our chassis gets out of alignment. Our, Our spirit walk, our spirit life gets out of alignment and we need to bring truth back to it again. We need to rediscover what's true in our lives. And, and, and as we look back, you know, as we look back to the ancient of days, you know, we, we can discover what is true. It's, an amazing to, you know, it's amazing that we've got this book to look back into. When I was little, I used to see the, 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 um, the older people in the church with these great big Bibles. And I used to go, man, I've got to get a big Bible and be spiritual one day. And, and I realize now that I'm a bit older, they're not big because they're more spiritual. They're big because they're blind and they've got the ultra giant print versions. And uh, now I wish I had one of the little skinny Bibles because that would mean I could see a lot more clearly. Josiah shows us that if we will humble ourselves and rediscover our origins, we can set a generation free. Proverbs 22 says, Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Who knows that we've moved a few landmarks over the years. Okay? So we actually not only, you know, we, we, we're past reading that verse, we actually need to go and find those ancient landmarks. We need to find what liberty is. We need to find what freedom is. We need to find out what it means to love God and to love people. We need to find the freedom in those two statements. Josiah could have ruled like he knew it all, but he humbled himself and he looked for a purpose bigger than simply his father's, his earthly father's inheritance. He inherited a kingdom on earth. He inherited an amazing thing on earth, yet he knew that something was out of alignment. He knew that something wasn't right. So he humbled himself and he went on a search for truth. And I want to challenge you this morning to go on a search for truth. When's the right time to go on that search for truth? As soon as you realize you need to go on one. That's why the origin of mankind, the origin of church, family, they're such important debates because they hold, uh, they give us a stability in the distractions of the day. When you make a decision based on who you are according to the ancient of days, according to God, according to his word, you know, when, when the distractions of today come, you see them as distractions, not as things to shift your identity. I read an interesting book a few years ago and uh, it was about food and, and uh, the, the, the basic philosophy of the book was simply this, it was eat food. And then the rest of the book went on to unpack how much you put in your mouth that's not actually food. And it was quite an interesting, it was quite an interesting, um, it, it was an interesting read and I, and I was challenged, you know, I'm challenged now that, that when I put something in my mouth, I ask the question, is this food? There was a few different things, you know. If you if you don't understand, if you look at the back of the packet and you can't understand what all the words are that are in that, then they're probably not food. They say if your great great grandmother has never heard of what you're about to put in your mouth, then it's probably not food. And I think the challenge for us spiritually is we're not necessarily eating spiritual food. We get caught in the flavour, don't we? We get caught in the in the spiritual or the flavors of things of things in life and the things of God, and we don't necessarily get um, get absorbed with the goodness that's in you. Who know? You know, we had, uh, Deb Park made this wickedly tasty dessert, 
but once it got past the back of my throat all it was doing was poisoning my body but man those first three inches were amazing see flavor is only good until it hits the back of your throat and after that point you know is it good or is it not good is going to come into fruition for the rest of the way through See, in the 12th year, Josiah began to purify Judah and Jerusalem and destroy all the pagan shrines, the carved idols and the cast images. In verse 4, it says, He ordered the altars of Baal to be demolished and that the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. He did the same thing in the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, even as far as Naphtali and all the regions around them. Finally, he returned Jerusalem to Jerusalem. Second thing is we need to purify our lives. He sifted through the past, didn't he? He sifted through the past and he found, he got to David and he discovered that his, that his great, however many great grandfathers, was a, was a man of God. And he says, that's what I want for this kingdom. I want to restore the ancient landmark. Here's the problem with our lives is yesterday's problems become tomorrow's idols. See, we think about things that we worship like the TV and the lounge room. You know, they're, they're, they're issues. But I think one of the big things that, that, um, that we create an idol out of is a, is a problem that we've had in the past. I was rejected when I was young. Therefore, I'm going to let nobody in. I make an idol out of my emotional toughness for the rest of my life. He, he wants you to know that there's this thing. You know, my parents were poor, therefore I am going to make an idol out of wealth. I was abused, therefore I will live for freedom. See, we've all got baggage. We've all got challenges of our past. And if we're not careful without realizing it, we can make an idol out of the opposite. So don't make idols out of the opposite of the negative. Worship me. See, our ability to deal with yesterday decides the opportunities of tomorrow. Everyone has what they call, um, in their vision, the horizon of possibilities. When you look, when you see the, the possibilities of tomorrow and of, of, the, of the inheritance that you're going to create, there's a horizon there. And that horizon is limited by the vision that we create. And I believe that's what part of the reason that Paul, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, prays the prayer, open the eyes of their understanding. You see, we need to lift our eyes up beyond the horizons that our pasts have created and say, hey, I'm seated in the heavenlies. There is no earthly situation that can blind me from my new heavenly position. Saying, I've, I've seated, he says, I've seated you at my right hand in the heavenly places. Look from that angle. I've said this before. You know, when, when you look, when you walk out into your garden at home, when you walk out into your grass, you see weeds everywhere, don't you? Because they're at your feet. But if you, if you Google Earth, your property, all you see is beautiful green grass. You see, sometimes you can, have, you can look way too close at the challenges that are in your life and forget the great things that God has declared over you when he created you. When he created you, he says, this is my son, this is my daughter. I've given you everything. I, we had the privilege of sharing at the, at the youth camp on uh, Tuesday night and... They're a crazy bunch, let me tell you. Um, I had a lip-syncing battle. Speaking of Josiahs, 
Um, King Josiah, you know, he was a pure man, but, you know, I'd, you know, I was a little bit worried about Josiah Leake's group and uh, they, have, they have a lot of fun. But we, we, talk, we talked about a little bit about identity. And when God created us, he created us perfectly for the vision that he wanted to put in us. So when you look at yourself, when you look at yourself from the perspective of God, you're created perfectly for his will. When you look at yourself from the perspective of the person, another person that you want to be like, then you're not created for what you want to become. So our goal is not to, is, our goal is not to do whatever we want. Our goal is to get in the will of God. And then we'll discover joy and we'll discover that we've got the right tools, the right talents. And, and we won't worry about our yesterdays. We'll just say, Lord, what are you doing? Let's go. Let's, let's have an adventure together. What negative beliefs and attitudes from your past are still prominent? You have a look at the things that you lift up and say, they're all good things. You know, to have wealth is not a bad thing. To have an emotional resilience is not a bad thing. To have liberty is, they're not bad things. But if you've made idols out of them because of an opposite experience, they're robbing you of a great relationship with your Heavenly Father. You see, we cannot always resolve our experiences, but we can rediscover truth and we can change our beliefs and we can start having new experiences. Verse 8 says, In the 18th year of his reign, how old is he now? In the 18th year of his reign, he's 26 years old. After he had purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed men to repair the temple of the Lord. The third thing that we learn from Josiah is that he, was a, he rebuilt. He didn't start again. He rebuilt. He restored. He reconciled. He redeemed. You know, when we blow it sometimes, we tend to look for new friends. We tend to look for a new job. We tend to look for a new community, a new church. You know, we, we, we go, oh, I'm always forever going to be judged by what I've done. And God's going, no, no. Look to me for your satisfaction. Look to me for your wholeness. Allow people to see the redemptive power of me in your life. What's great is when you have, you know, you've, you've walked the walk of life and, and you've given your life to God and people see the difference in your life when you've, when you've got God and when you don't have God. What an amazing privilege it is to have a redeeming God. We're rebuilders. We're restorers. I think Isaiah 58 says, you know, when we align our lives with him, he will call us restorers of the breach. God has called you to be a restorer of the breach. Verse 14. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law and the Lord, the law of the Lord, and, and that was written by Moses. And they took the scroll and read it to the king. Verse 19 says this, When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Then he gave these orders, Go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for all the remnant of Israel and Judah. Inquire about the words written in that scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger has been poured out on us because our ancestors have not obeyed the word of the Lord. We've not been doing everything this scroll says we must do. Sometimes our lives end up looking a little bit like the nation of Israel, don't they? 
We love, you know, I, I love being called a, a child of God when he's defending me, when he's healing me, when he's setting me free. But sometimes it's a little bit more challenging, you know, when he's saying, restrain your life in this area. You know, we love the liberty of the gospel, but we don't like the restraint that it brings to our lives. We love it that, that we can get free, you know, we can get spiritually free. But when we get spiritually free, we find the tensions become on earth, don't we? We talked about flavor before. Number four says, I said, don't let flavor rob you of goodness. Don't let the taste, don't let the flavor rob you of the goodness. I love saying to our, our music team, worship's not worship unless you can do it with the power off. You know, we, there's a great flavor. I love the songs that our band writes. I love the, you know, I love it loud and I love, you know, I think it's great. I think music's great when you can feel it as much as you can hear it. You know, if I, I don't mind the old, I see my daughter's got the same thing. She actually leans against the subwoofers in the morning at the front of church as she dances to the music. And some people have the complete opposite of that. You see, at the end of the day, flavor is personal, but goodness is everywhere. The goodness of God is relevant to all people. The flavor of personality, the flavor of our senses is less important than the goodness of God. What's important when we come together is not the, not, the song, not the words that are on the screen, but the intentions that are in our hearts. Don't let flavor rob you of goodness. You know that book I read, it says, eat food. You know, when you discover that what you're putting in your mouth is no longer food, do you know, what, do you know what's amazed me since I've discovered all these things aren't food? I still put some of them in my mouth. Why do I do that? Because flavor's good. Let's face it. I mean, I, you know, I was giving Deb a hard time. That wicked dessert was fantastic. It, was a, it tasted amazing. Some of the things that we, that we love, you know, they, they, they're, they're amazing in the moment. But the question is, what am I digesting? What's sinking in? What's going into my mind? What is this? Is this renewing my mind with the, the, the things of God? Is it is it is it strengthening me spiritually? Is it giving is it giving me is it energizing me? Is it giving me the protein? Is it giving me the alkaline? Is it balancing out all the acid that my body's making? You know what what are, what are the things? What spiritually are we putting into our bodies? That's strengthening us. That's energizing us for what? For loving God and for loving people. Sometimes when you're, when you're, when you're um, with someone and you ask yourself the question, am I loving God or am I loving people, and you say no, sometimes you, you know, you're, you're, you've been simply partaking of something that's making you a little bit acidic. So you need to alkaline your life with some worship, with some of the Word of God, with some substance that can energize you, can strengthen you. And then when you get out of the bed in the morning, you can say, hey, good morning, Lord. I love you. It's funny when we meet God, isn't it? Because the, the, we find these new battles. It's like when you, when you discover healthy living you, you, that you didn't realize exists. It creates a new tension in your life that you didn't even know about before. I was just happily popping in, you know, the, um, the great desserts every day. You know, if I could eat 
spaghetti bolognese and tiramisu every night for my life and it made me energised. I would do it. Fantastic. They're the, my two favourite flavours on earth. Yet, Pavarotti is not my call. He's, 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 he's saying, it's not a, you know, we actually have to acknowledge the tension that's in our lives. There's a tension there between heaven and earth. There's a tension that we have to live in. And I want to challenge you this morning that you're not, while we're on this earth, we're not going to escape that tension. So learn to live in it. Learn to accept that you're going to blow it. You know, every now and then when, the, when, when Ricardo brings the tiramisu out, it's going in there. I don't care what's in there, it's going in there. But then, you know, so, and then I repent and have some, a green smoothie the next day and we get back on track. We need to know what the keys to victory are. And then we need to be prepared to use those keys. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. As in, you know, now that the kingdom is here, now that you have acknowledged that I'm in existence, now that you, you go, hey, you need to change your thinking because your old ways are going to disrupt you and you're even going to feel worse. When we get saved sometimes, you can, if you're still living uh, your life according to the old ways, you can, you, you can feel worse. I feel worse now that I'm saved than when I was unsaved. He's saying, yes, because we need to acknowledge the kingdom and we need to change the way we think. And as we renew our minds according to his ways, we get free, we get energized, and the fruit of it is simply loving God and loving people. Josiah discovered the word. What did he do when he discovered the word that he hadn't been following? He tore his clothes. It says he tore his clothes and lamented. And, you know, he was in despair that he and his people were so far from the truth of God. And then the prophet Huldah says to him, verse 24, The Lord, the God of Israel, has spoken. And he says, I'm going to bring disaster on this city and its people. For my people have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to pagan gods. And I am very angry with them for everything they have done. My anger will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. Unfortunately, there's consequences for not following God. God is a God of justice. We love justice, don't we? We love his mercy, but he's a God of justice. And when people don't follow God, they walk according to his justice. Thankfully, part of his justice is this redemptive grace that Jesus brings when he came and died on the cross. And I want to t- challenge you this morning that as we read these next verses in 26, because Haldar says, go to the king of Judah who sent you to seek the Lord and tell him this, verse 27 You were sorry and humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this city and its people. You yourself will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city and its people. One of the core responsibilities that each of us has is to get our lives right with God. First, you know, when you go on the airplane, they say when you see the oxygen mask drop, first put it on yourself and then you can help others. See, what Josiah did is he, he got his own life right first and then he went and helped others. See, the call of God for you right now is say, hey, align your life with me. The people, you know, the people around you, they may not be accepting me, but my grace is sufficient for them if they will accept me. And how will they know to accept me? They will see my love in you. The greatest evangelistic gift you can give humanity is to love God and to love people. 
the greatest thing. You can be the best orator. You can be the best looking. You can have the most wealth. You can, you can, be, you can be healed over and over again. You can see amazing things. But the greatest thing you can do is people see the love of God in you t- toward him and toward them. It's the greatest move. Favor follows humility and repentance. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Sometimes, you know, like when, we, when I discover when I've, I've, I've hurt someone, you, you know when you've, you've hurt someone and you didn't even realize you hurt them, it, it upsets you, doesn't it? Because your intention is not to hurt someone. But we do, we hurt each other without intention. And when we discover it, it breaks our heart probably just as much as it's hurt them. Our goal is not to hurt each other. And when we discover that we've, that we've hurt our Heavenly Father, you know, like Josiah, we can mourn. We can say, and Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. Verse 30, Josiah went before all the people from the least to the greatest and he read them the book of the covenant. The king then stood in his place and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. To, the Lord, to, to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, statutes and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in his book. He was publicly committed. The Lord wants us to be publicly committed. He wants, us to, he wants people to see our commitment to him in our daily lives. You know, when you're the king, the way you're publicly committed is you just get up in front of everyone and tell them what you're about to do. When you're, when you're just one of the rest of us, people need to see it in your life. You can say it all day long. You know, you can, you can say you're a Christian. You can say you go to church. You can say all those things. But your public commitment is not in your words. It's in your actions. They'll see it because, you know, when things go rough, you're still full of joy. You know, when someone offends you, you return love. You bless those who curse you. You do these crazy things that people don't understand. You go, they go, why? And you go, that's just what my heavenly father is teaching me. Not by my strength, but led by his spirit. The question that we need to ask ourselves is what are we committed to? And is our commitment, is it rooted and grounded in eternal life? We can be committed to being a great person. That's one thing. And that's about loving people. But if we want to be, if we want to anchor in eternal life, we need to be committed to him and say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. You know, I want to be loved by people, but I want your kingdom to be my mandate. I want your kingdom to come first. I can pray for you. I can, I can, you know, I can lay hands on you. I can, you can be healed, you know, but no one else can be committed for you. You need to, you need to be committed on your own. It's your call. It's between you and God. And we each have to make that clear commitment, don't we? Jesus commit, he, he made a commitment to the hope that was on the other side of the cross so that when he, he could walk through it. There's going to be challenges that come in each of our lives, but there's hope on the other side of it. You know, we, we heard the hope prophesied this morning by, by Rekela, you know, um, you know, there's a hope that we can put on a shelf because we, we that because you know it doesn't look like it's possible and he's saying don't, don't let go of that hope get committed to that hope 
He's saying, I'm coming. I'm present. He says, I am the God who was, I'm the God who is, and I'm the God who is to come. He says, make sure your hope is anchored in me. He says, because I can, I can help you uh, reconcile your yesterdays. I can help you see hope in the future, and I can be with you right now in whatever you're walking through. If our hope is attached to him, then our commitment is secure. If your hope is attached to the person sitting next to you right now, then your, your hope is only as secure as that person is secure. The greatest gift you can give the person that you love is to have your hope attached to God, not attached to them. Because it's a burden that they were never meant to carry. Why doesn't the band jump up? What an amazing king. Eight years old when he comes king. He comes king and there's been two kings who did, who did evil in the sight of the Lord who have gone before him. And what does he do? When he's 16, he rediscovers truth. Then when he's 20, he, he purifies the kingdom. He goes and, and he does a clean out. And when he's 26, you know, he, he, he discovers the word of God. You know, he, we, we, we rediscover truth. We purify our lives. We don't let flavor rob us of, rob us of goodness. And we understand and we know that favor follows humility and repentance. And then we live our life. We live our faith publicly. Do you know what Noosa needs? They need a church that is faithfully present. Two prophetic words we had this morning. One was on hope. The other one was on faith. You see, when our hope is attached to Jesus, we can be faithfully present on his behalf. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Never underestimate the power of one person's commitment, one person's repentance, one person's decision to say, from now on, this is the direction that I'm going. See, God's called each of you on a grand adventure. He's called you on a grand adventure with him and he wants wants to do business with you. And he's asked for you to, 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 to embrace those two simple truths, to love him and to love people. And then everything else you do, it becomes in context. Some great examples in the Bible, isn't there? Josiah, the king Josiah was an amazing example. And uh, he truly blessed us with his story. He truly blessed uh, the, the nation of Judah with his decision to go back and to rediscover those ancient landmarks set by his forefather, King David. So this morning, I want to pray for everyone, but before I do, what is it, if everyone bow their head and close their eyes, I'd just love to give an opportunity to anyone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. See, the beginning of, of the beginning of these adventures, the beginning of this liberty that we're talking about, the beginning of being able to love God and love people is to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the access... To that relationship is through the redeeming power of the cross. The Bible simply says we need to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He is Savior, He is, the, he is our Lord and Savior, and that God rose Him from the dead. That's the simplicity of it. That's the beginning of the adventure with God. That's the beginning of the relationship. And if that's you this morning, if you want to simply do those things, if you want to accept that, that redeeming power of the cross, why don't you just raise your hand right now and I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. If that's you, just over on the, on the right. 
glancing through the middle and across to the left. Thank you, Father. Lord, for every person here this morning, I ask that you would strengthen them, Lord, as they look to rediscover truth. Lord, as we look in our eyes, in our lives, I ask that you would open our eyes so that we could purify us, Father, so that we could see the spiritual food that brings energy to us. Lord, we don't want to get robbed um, of goodness by flavor, Lord. We want to know how to worship and we want to know how to walk in your will. We surrender afresh to your will this morning. We seek your grace and, your, and the substance of heaven in our lives so that we can be energized to love you and to love the people in our world. So we give you thanks and we give you praise. As we go out, Lord, we go out to be faithfully present for your glory and your great name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.